obedience. <clears throat> a call to obey. Now, obviously, I understand that in this, this group here this morning, uh, nobody struggles with obedience. Um, you are all here on time. <clears throat> that is according to your time. Um, but, you know, obedience is something that is so important to the church. And we're going to look at it that obedience has been something that is so important to all who follow after the heart of God. So let's stand together and let's read from Joshua chapter uh, 1, beginning in verse number 7 through 18. When Joshua is speaking, he's going to be speaking to all of the people. And then in the last few verses, he'll be speaking to a particular smaller group of God's people. Verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, and do not be afraid, nor dismayed, or nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp, and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving to you. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribes of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and has given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this, this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you. On this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua saying all that you command us we will do. And wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words. And all that you command him. He shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Father, we thank you that today's lesson is so important for the church that we are to be obedient to your word. Father, that we are to follow what you have put before us. We are to keep our word of promise to you and to those we've given it to. Lord God, give us hearts of obedience. May we surrender to that. May we confess, Lord, that our, our inner will struggles with our true desire to be obedient. So, Father, may you lead us. May you guide us. May you give us the strength to overcome those inner struggles so that we can be an obedient church and obedient people, obedient families, obedient wives, obedient husbands, obedient children. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let me tell you about obedience, if I can, for a moment. I have been pastoring now for right at 25 years, and in those 25 years, I remember early on as a minister doing my first wedding. In my first wedding, let me tell you, I was scared to death. 
I'd never done anything like that. I've been to plenty of them, but never, you know, participated in anything. And so here I am, and, and I, I've got to sit down and, and, and look at how to do a wedding. And Google wasn't invented yet, and um, so I couldn't ask Google. Um, there weren't a lot of YouTube videos that I know of, if any at all, at that time. Um, don't think it existed. And so here I am. I'm trying to figure out how in the world do you do a wedding. So I called an old pastor friend of mine, and, and I, I said, Dr. Iyer, I said, I, I need some help. And he said, well, Tom, what do you got to do? I said, my first wedding. And he just kind of starts to snicker on the other end because he's been there. He knows the fear. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, if you'll come by my office, or better yet, I will come by yours, and I will give you a book. I said, Okay. Because I didn't have this particular book, apparently, and, and he probably knew that. And so he came by, and he brought me a book. And the book basically were the responsibilities of a pastor. And in this book, it had how to do a wedding. It also had how to do a funeral. Sometimes I wonder which one's better. Um, but uh, I did the how to do a wedding. So I got in there and I started to look at the wedding and I realized, wow, there is a lot of responsibility that I've never really paid attention to. Even, I mean, I got married, right? I remember my wife telling me she would obey me. I mean, I remember all of those things that were important in our wedding. And um, so I'm sitting there and I'm kind of looking at everything and I'm, I'm, I'm going, wow, like there's some major responsibility that God has given the husband and the wife. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, well, well Brother Tommy, you're a pastor, you're married. Yeah, but to see these words on a page and to recognize that the biggest and most important call is the call to obedience. So now we fast forward. And I do weddings, done a number of weddings, but I always get the same thing. Some of you that were at our, at our daughter and son-in-law's wedding, you recall how she Use the word obey. <laughs> it's a struggle for us. We don't like that word. And so a lot of women will tell me, I'm not using that word. And I'll tell them, well, that's fine. There are other words we can use besides obey. And I start going down the list of things we can use, and they decide that obey is better than what I had in mind. Well, why do I have to obey? Well, because it's a biblical mandate that you do that. Well, can't God take that out? No. And it's always the same. The husband's always sitting over there going, <laughs> that's my favorite word in this whole deal. Right? I'm going to honor, I'm going to cherish, and obey. Very rarely in the midst of those, in that, in that uh, time of, of dealing with the wedding and you're in that moment, very rarely do you hear the word obey quite as loud as you do honor and cherish and all those other things. Obey is in there, but they go, and obey. You know why we do it that way? Because we're, we really don't mean what we're going to say. But yet God called the woman to obey her husband. So men, let me ask you this question. Are you worth obeying? Are you worth having your wife follow after? Because your job is to be obedient to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Obedience is important, folks. 
Children don't want to obey their parents. Instead of obeying their parents now, they try to tell their parents, well, why should I do that? Why do I have to do that? Kids, let me give you a little bit of instruction. And, and some of you parents may not, may not like what I'm fixing to say, and that's fine. I can back it up by scripture. Um, your kid does not have the right to question you. The Bible doesn't say question your parents. The Bible says to obey your parents. And if you obey your parents, you are showing the world the type of relationship that you have with your parents. Children don't have the right to come and question everything that's going on. Children only have the right to obey their parents. Obedience is a, is a, is a word that our society struggles with. You go into class as a, as a, as a teenager, as a, as a young person, you walk into class... You don't like the instruction that the classroom uh, has for you, and so automatically you're not going to obey. And then you blame the teacher, and you get the teacher fired. I've seen this over and over, and a lot of you teachers are dealing with this now. You are fighting parents. You're not fighting kids. You're fighting parents. They don't think their child should obey. They think you should change your rules so that it better fits their child. The problem is you've got 30-something parents in there trying to tell you to change the rules. So what you do is you set your instructions straight and you say, here are the rules, and they have to obey them. I don't care what you say. When they're in my classroom, they're in my house. Therefore, they have to obey. Now, that sounds good, but when obedience is not something that is celebrated any longer, we have nothing but anger and hatred and meanness and teachers crying and, and, and husbands and wives fighting because we don't understand this word anymore. I'm often told by people, well, if they deserved me to do them right, they would treat me better. If they deserve for you to treat them right, they would do you better. The Bible doesn't say to love somebody when they love you, does it? The Bible speaks of authority. Those over you, those are the ones that you listen to. Those are the ones that you're obedient to. Yeah, but Brother Tom, you don't understand. Things have changed. No, the Bible has not changed. If you've been coming on Wednesday night, we have found out the Bible has not changed. People have changed. We've tried to interpret it different. We've tried to make it match us. But the Bible is very clear. It has not changed whatsoever. Excuse me. Obedience. Obedience is a struggle, people. Obedience is a struggle. Joshua understood this. If you remember when God told the people to go in and view the land, they were told to go in and view the land. They were going to take it. They come out. "Uh Uh-uh, we're not taking that land. There's giants over there. Those people are mean. Joshua and Caleb were like, what's the holdup? Let's go. God said it was ours. Let's obey God and go take it. A lot of people today, they want all of God's blessing without any of the obedience. But if you'll read your scripture, you'll find out that God's blessings are often tied to your obedience. So maybe there's a reason that so many people in our church are hurting. Maybe there's a reason that children are hurting and marriages are hurting and people are angry and this is happening and that is happening. Why? Because of obedience. This is the struggle that we all have. It's very real But folks, it's something that we have to deal with. 
See, receiving the promise was contingent on one important thing. Obedience. Go in, take the land. It's yours, but you got to go do it. Anybody ever needed a job and just sat at home waiting for the company that you never applied for to call you? How did that work out? Some of you are still waiting on that phone call, right? I'm still waiting on it. They hadn't called me yet. God said it was mine. Yeah, but you got to go take it. You got to get up and go do something, right? When God tells us it's ours, there's still a part we have to do. It's important. Let's look at verse 7 and 8. Here's what he says. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So if they were going to prosper, what, had, what do they have to do? What does it say? They had to be obedient. They had to do exactly what the word said. They couldn't turn left or right. They had to do exactly what it said. And if they would do exactly what it said, then everything would be well. That doesn't mean that nobody was going to get sick. It didn't mean they were going to have hard times. But it meant that they knew that God was with them and they could weather any storm. Verse 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Did you catch that part? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it or meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So there's the obedient part, correct? We're to do everything that's in it. And then here it is, the Lord himself tied obedience to success. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I've got to do something. I can't just sit at home going, man, I can't wait. The check's in the mail. For what? What's the check? Where's the check coming from? What have you done to make that check come to you? We have to understand that in the Christian life, God says, here's what I expect. Here's what you get if you do those things. Now go get them. They're yours, but you got to go take them. The land belonged to the Israelites, but they had to do something. They actually had to go and inhabit it. They had to go and take it. If you want something bad enough, you got to be the one to make it happen. You want happier parents? Be obedient. Try it. I found out that my mother was a lot nicer to me when I did what she told me to do. I knew that my dad would be happy if he came home and had actually done the things that he had told me I had to do before I went to bed that night. Y'all ever tried to till the garden with a flashlight? Y'all ever tried it? It doesn't work well. And I found out that when you do it with a flashlight, especially if those of you that know my story, I cannot till a straight row. My dad used to tell me I did it because I just didn't want to do it. Folks, I cannot till a straight row. I just can't do it. My wife and I had a little bitty garden one time. The first six foot of that eight foot was straight. But that last two foot looked like a flag going off to the side with the wind blowing. You know what I mean? It just, 
here we are, boom, just like, I, it just, I can't do a straight row. I don't understand it. But you get out there with a flashlight because you didn't do what your father told you to do. And the whole time you're out there with a the flashlight, your brother is angry because he's having to grab the thing. He's holding the flashlight. I remember if you grew up on a little place that had a nice little, oh, I don't know, one or two acre um, little plot of land that your dad expected to keep nice and clean. Your brother's out there having to move stuff out of the way. Y'all ever had to, to till between the squash? Anybody ever had to do that? You got to do what with the squash plant? You got to hold it up, get everything out of the way, and get to tilling. Now, my brother knew my inability to till well. So after the first few things I chopped off, he followed up to me and he said, get off of the tiller. Now, let me tell you what the problem was. Can I tell you what the problem was? The problem was this. It wasn't my brother's fault that we were out there with the flashlight at night. It was mine. So now my disobedience has gotten me in trouble. I'm out with a flashlight, and now my brother's mad at me. Why? Because I was disobedient during the day. Your disobedience doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody in your family. You want mom and dad to be happier? Do what they say. Quick question. Why do I have to do that? My mother, I'm telling you, was always happier when I would just do what she told me to do. But my mom already knew what was going to happen most of the time. I wasn't going to do what she told me to do. Yes, your pastor stayed in a lot of trouble when he was a boy. I know that doesn't surprise you because you know your pastor. Disobedience is something we all struggle with. And God ties our blessing to obedience, prosperous to obedience, good success to obedience. You want things better? Then be better. You want things right? Then do right. I mean, this it's not that difficult. Would y'all agree? But I don't like that. That's not how I want it. Doesn't matter how you want it. Nowhere, when I became a Christian, I do not recall God sitting me down and going, now, Tom, what would you like me to do? <laughs> how do you want to change the rules, Tom? Since now, now that you're on our team, let's consider all of your needs real quick. That's not what happened. When I became a Christian, the preacher handed me a book and said, you need to read that so you can know how to live. And if you live according to this book, you will find that your life will be much better than it's ever been. By the way, they were right. The Lord himself taught obedience to success, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. But you know what? He's given that command. But then we pick up here in the later verses. And we find that it's time to cross over the Jordan. And so in verse 10 it says, Then Joshua commanded the, others to, uh, uh, the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in uh, to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving uh, you to possess. Now, before we hit verse 12, let me tell you what obedience looks like in this church. When I came to the church and I was burdened greatly for a countywide revival, and I knew that that went against a lot of what Baptists believe. Um, 
normally where I grew up, Baptists hung with just Baptists. They didn't do anything outside of the Baptist church, nothing outside of their beliefs. They wouldn't do it. They just, we were, we're Baptists and that's it. Everybody else is, is whatever they are. But I knew that the only way to reach people was to get outside of that thinking and so when I came to the church and I sat down with the leadership of the church and said, hey, I really feel like we need to do a countywide revival. I have a pastor who's willing to come. What do y'all think? And it blew my mind. They liked the idea. They liked the idea. I was thinking, there's no way, Tom, we're not going to do that. You don't understand. We're, you know, there's a great divide in our county, and, and we got all these different things going on. You'll never bring the churches together. And you know what? For the, for, the, for the truth is, we didn't bring very many churches together. More churches stayed away than came to the revival. But those that came walked away saying, that was needed. But our church had to be obedient. Our church had to say, let's do it. And it cost our church a lot of money. It cost our church a whole lot of money. But we knew that it was the right thing to do. And we started moving forward. And then John at First Baptist in Hempstead came alongside us and said, Tom, I want to be a part of this. I was excited to hear that. And then we had a few other churches that said, you know what, I want to do this, I want to give that. And some were able to give 10, some were able to give 20. Uh, one church uh, in, there in, in, in Hempstead gave, gave $1,000 towards things. And we just began to see that money start to add up. And, and it was the obedience of God's people. And Mike Satterfield told me, he said, Tom, you have no idea what you started. But he said it took obedience. It took obedience. And, and obedience sometimes looks risky. But I'm glad we took the risk. These people were told, get up and go. And the whole congregation had to get up and get ready to cross over the Jordan. When it came time for that revival, this whole congregation had to be with us. And there were some who were not. And guess where those people are today? For the most part, those who left our church over the revival are not in church anywhere. Sad. But for those that were obedient, man, I thank God for it. Obedience. We have to be obedient. So again, right here, he says, pass through the camp and, and command the people saying, prepare provision for yourselves for within three days you will, you will cross over this Jordan to a win to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. How many in here are a procrastinator? Just raise your hand if you are a procrastinator. All right? Those, some of you are still trying to figure out if you're going to raise your hand or not. That is you. Okay? Go ahead and raise it. You are a procrastinator. I consider myself to be a professional procrastinator on a number of things. Right? There are a number of things. However, when it comes to Certain things, I, I want to be out ahead of it. Man, I want to, I'm, I'm one of those that overplans, and I'm trying to think way too far in advance, and you got to do this, you got to do that. But in my own personal life, a lot of times, I am a procrastinator. When it comes to the life of this church, I try not to be. I try to be uh, really ahead of things and get going and try to get things done as they should. But what if here on this day, 
Somebody was disobedient right up to the moment it was time to do something. You ever met those people? You ever get that phone call? It's happened to me, and if you're in here, I don't apologize for saying this. Um, I've had people call me and say, hey, we need some help moving, right? Y'all, who's, who's ever been asked to move somebody? Just go ahead and raise, yeah, right. Isn't that the greatest thing that's ever happened? You get there to help them move, and when you show up, not a single thing is packed. You don't need help moving. You want me to move you, right? Now the whole process is on what time do you have to be out? By 6. The 6th, <laughs> right? No, 6. You do realize it's 10. Can you imagine being that one that wants to be disobedient right up until it's time? Do you, do you realize that's the person that drags everybody else down? Believe it or not, one disobedient heart can drag everybody else down. Do you all know that? One disobedient heart can make everything else go wrong, everything else fall apart. One disobedient heart can ruin everything for everybody. So he says, you tell them, you go through there and you tell them they better get ready because in three days we're crossing. I bet those, there were those who got packed up the first day. And they went around because they were ready to cross. They were ready to get over there. There were others who went around saying, you are slow, let's help. And then there were others who said, get out of the way because you're doing nothing. But they all got across because somebody had the heart of obedience. But then there's another group of people that we want to talk about. He addresses in verse 13, he said, And to the Reubenites, the Gattites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. How many of you have a clue what he's talking about? Like most people would know, you'd be reading that going, what in the world is he talking about? Well, if you'll go to Numbers, which I know you wanted to go there anyway, go to Numbers if you would. And we're going to look at uh, Numbers 32, 1 through 24. Numbers 32, 1 through 24. Yeah, Joshua had a special message here. It consisted of two and a half tribes that had received permission from Moses to settle on the east side of the Jordan River. So they're going to be part of this group that's not actually going to what? Cross over. They have been granted permission to stay on the other side because the land was good. The land was plentiful for cattle and for sheep. And they said, listen, we are grazers. This is what we do, and this is great land for grazing. Leave us over on this side. And man, Moses got ticked. That's the East Texas word for he got mad. He got upset. So let's pick this up here in Numbers chapter 32. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazir and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was, uh, was placed for livestock, the children of, of Gad um, and the children of Reuben came to, and spoke to Moses, uh, to Eleazar the, the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, 
Verse 4 says, The country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. What has God promised them the whole time? That everything on the other side, that as far as they could see, it was theirs. And these guys are like, we kind of like it here. This looks good for us. Why go any further? Why push our cattle? Why push our sheep? Why push our families? This is going to work. And Moses goes off. That's all I can put it. Listen to what he says. Verse 6, and Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now, they never said that, did they? All they said was that if you would allow us to, you ever met somebody who didn't listen to the whole story? If my wife were here, she'd say amen to that. How many of you are married to a man? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah. So again, let me ask this question. How many of you know somebody who doesn't listen to the whole story? <laughs> That's the way it is. I can't help it. We, we have that. We, have, we don't have hearing problems. We have great selective hearing. That's the, that's the problem that we have. All right. Now, why will you discourage, he says in verse 7, the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away to, from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. So they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and he swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Let me tell you something. You and I giving God half obedience is full-on disobedience. That's the problem with most of our churches today. We are half-hearted, obedient people. And that's actually disobedience. He says, except Caleb, son of Jephna, the Kinsonite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wonder in the wilderness 40 years until the, all the generation that had done evil and the sight of the Lord was gone. And look, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. Man, he is putting it on thick. For if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness and you will destroy all these people. Then they came near to him and said, we will build sheep, sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones will dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. We will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has fallen on us on this eastern side of the Jordan. They're like, hey, Moses, if you just let us finish the statement. Then Moses said to them, if you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord for the, for, for the war and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies 
uh, from before him and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord. And listen to what he says. And be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep and do what has proceeded out of your mouth. Folks, I'm telling you, it is amazing whenever we look at Scripture. It is amazing what we see, how God is going to tie the obedience of these people to the success that they're going to have. Moses has said, I've had enough. And they said, hold up, Moses, just listen. We're going to go forward. We're going with you. We're going to do our part, but we're going to stay on this side. Well, now it's time for Joshua to bring this up. So Joshua, back in Joshua chapter 1, we actually see this take place. And, and he begins to, uh, to talk to them there. And, and he says this in verse 15. Until the Lord has given you your brethren rest as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them, then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. There's the ask. Are you going with us? Are you going to be obedient to keep your own word? How many in here have ever given their word and didn't keep it? Just go ahead if you don't mind. Raise your hand. Yeah. And we wonder why we struggle in life. We can't even keep our own word. And we find it hard to keep God's word. Verse 16 says, so they answered Joshua saying, all that you command us. We will do. And wherever you send us, we will go just as we heeded Moses in all things. So we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Listen to what they say. This is important. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Do you think that obedience is important to God? These people certainly did. So much so that they said, if anybody doesn't follow you as they follow Moses, let them be put to death. And then they say, only be strong and of good courage. Folks, obedience is your struggle. Obedience is our struggle. All of us struggle with this. It's easy to obey when everything's going our way. But when things go south, we start trying to do it our own way. Listen to me. When God's people unite in obedience, they can rest assured that God will bless them in wonderful ways. What's God calling our church to do? Obey. What's he calling our teenagers to do? Obey. What's he calling our wives to do? Obey. What's he calling their husbands to do? Obey. What's he calling our leadership to do? Obey. Folks, if we will be obedient to all that God has called upon us to do, we will receive blessings that we never dreamed of. 
But if we become stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and, in our, and stubborn in our own ways, welcome to your own misery. Right? Nobody to blame but who? But we blame everybody else but that person. Correct? Father, we ask this morning that we would be an obedient people. God, give us a heart and a spirit of obedience. May it become such a disgusting taste in our mouth when we find ourselves in the midst of disobedience. God, may our bones hurt. May our heads hurt when we find ourselves being disobedient. Lord God, today, take our wicked hearts place them with a heart of obedience. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name.